is the Discuss Metal Podcast with Nathan Layman of Placeholder. Hosted by Dan Terry. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Discuss Metal Podcast. My name is Dan. I will be your host for this evening, but uh, here tonight is the person that you actually probably want to hear talk, and that would be Mr. Nathan Lehman of Placeholder. What is going on tonight, man? Not much. Hanging. Hanging. Drinking, drinking, drinking some, a bush. Drinking a bush. Like true, like a true St. Louisan, right? Yes. So this is kind of an interesting interview for me because I don't usually get to uh, I don't usually get to interview people that are uh, in the same area as me, which I know is kind of weird that we're uh, not doing it uh, in the same room. I promise the next time you guys see Nathan on the podcast, it will be very much in the same room. So I wouldn't worry. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry too much about any of that. Um, Indeed. But yeah, so, you know, we, we, we kind of have a little bit of exciting news. Um, Placeholder is putting out a brand new EP, brand spanking new. And uh, but my my understanding is, is that it actually <laughs> uh, it actually has, has has been kind of a long time coming. Uh, <laughs> that in more ways than, you know, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so. This EP actually dates back. I tried to figure out what the actual, maybe when it was actually written, but maybe like 2013 or 2014. Oh, um, wow. The, yeah. The drummer for placeholder, um, Travis, he is like, he writes a lot of, uh, music and that's, and he actually writes like all the, the actual music for placeholder. And, uh, this EP was actually something that he had written like probably back in 2013 or 14, if I had to guess. Okay. Maybe, maybe a little later than that, but, um, it was some music that was really awesome. And, uh, we decided placeholder decided to, uh, to actually start working on the actual recordings of it and playing them live. Um, cause we thought that it'd be a good, like next step for us to work into. So, um, yeah, the recording of the EP started back in the fall of 2019 and didn't wrap until pretty much a year later. Uh, we oh, wrapped wow. up the recording. Yeah. Wow. So it was it was on pace to be done within like probably five five months, and then the pandemic hit and just kind of ruined all those all those plans. But yeah, we, we've actually been playing these songs live since like our second show. So okay, okay, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's tight too. That's that's the thing that you know when I was when I was listening to it, I you know I, it's not that I it's not that I, I don't like to hear bands that are local to me or anything like that, but it's like whenever sure. I hear you know it goes without saying that, you know, hundreds of times a day, I get messages from people, Hey, you know, check out this or check this out, check this out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, and, and, and obviously my buddy, David, shout out to David Van Zandt, uh, was no, like, he was like, Oh, I'm shouting him out. I'm shouting him out. <laughs> he, he, he earned it. I, I guess. David, I love you. If you're listening. Right. He, um, but no, he was like, dude, uh, can you get me? Um, I think, and it wasn't this, it wasn't this. It was, uh, I think, your previous release. He was like, "You need to get that. Uh, you need to. You need to get a copy. You need to secure a copy of that for me, and send uh, it to me." Um, and I was like, "Yeah, I could probably do that." And then I, I, I just, I didn't because you know, dude. I, so I was hoping that you would. I was hoping that you would bring this up. But the, the funny part is, Dave thought that that was like an actual seven inch for the longest time. Yeah, well, that's what and he kept saying. He's like, "Where's that placeholder?" Yeah. yeah, he's like, "Where's that placeholder seven inch?" And I was like, "I don't remember." Yeah, I, no, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, he, he was like asking me about that for like months. Like, dude, I need to get a copy of this. Like, I need it. Like, dude, why? It's a CD. Like, I, I, I don't know why it's so sought after <laughs> or whatever. But I guess he thought it was an e, like an actual seven inch. So when I mentioned that this was coming out as a seven inch, he was like, "Oh, well." I guess now there's a new something first time I can get with placeholder. It's a seven inch. So there you go. Yeah, he was. Well, that'll make it. that that'll make him happy. I know he's he's addicted to uh, to to he's addicted to music uh, that that warps uh, if you leave it in the sun too long, or uh, gets left out on your porch, or you order from merch now and it comes broken in half. You know uh, that oh, sort of that thing. Happen? It's to happened you? to me before. Um, or just like bad pressings. I've, I've actually kind of really gotten away from vinyl. Uh, 
over over this past year or so it's not that i don't like the format i think it's awesome but like uh there's just too many uh there's too many risks involved (laughs) you know yeah Um, definitely but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about you. So I'm going to, I'm going to get some background info for anybody that doesn't know Nathan or placeholder. Uh, where'd you grow up? Uh, so I grew up in outside of Nashville, Tennessee by like probably 20 minutes. Okay. Um, a little town called Millersville. Um, yeah, it's just a suburb kind of like a, yeah, just a suburb on the North side of Nashville. Yeah. Not a St. Louis native. That's fine. Nobody's perfect. It's okay. Um, I'm actually, you know what? I'm not even, I'm not technically a native either. I wasn't born in St. Louis, but, um, what was, uh, what was music like for you growing up? Um, I mean, so I grew up listening to a lot of like Christian music, um, as a kid, like, I don't know, whatever, like the newsboys and, (laughs) oh man, it just makes me laugh when I start thinking about all the music that I used to like DC talk. Those are like the first DC talk album was like my jam. I think it's called new thing or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was, that was like the music that I listened to until, um, I was until I kind of jumped off into some, into something a little bit more like alternative, I guess I would say. Yeah. Um, but definitely like growing up in, in a church and around, like my parents were not allowing like other music than like popular Christian music. So probably until like age 11 or 12. That's pretty much exclusively what I listened to. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, we definitely have that in common. Uh, there's a, there's definitely something interesting about the stuff that you grow up on and then kind of that transition into kind of like, I think, I think how you said it is perfect alternative. It's not necessarily that you woke up one morning and you're like, I mean, to hardcore now, you know? Um, so what many years before that happened, but right. How so? What was that? Uh, what was that transition like? Kind of going into kind of music at large. Like at what at what age were you able to kind of be a little bit more free in, in what you listened to, what you were able to check out or bring home? Yeah. So, well, I, I remember the first. This is the first memory that I have about anything other than like mainstream Christian music was. Uh, I assume it was a '90s movie because this was the '90s, okay, most likely or early 2000s, I guess, but. Anyways, it's this movie and there's, uh, the Ramones, I want to be sedated is on the, on the, uh, soundtrack. Oh, cool. And my friend and I were watching this movie and we heard the Ramones, I want to be sedated. And we were like, Oh my gosh, what is this new music that we've never heard? Like it was just crazy to us. Right. Right. And we were talking about it. And my friend's dad who like grew up in California was like, Oh, that's the Ramones. Um, and that was basically all he told us <laughs> about it. So we like, we would like, we rewind the movie and listen to the song again or whatever. And I just kind of filed away like all oh, Ramones in my head or whatever. Right. right. Uh, and that was like from fourth grade, but it wasn't until like, I think sixth grade that I uh, went to, I was actually homeschooled during sixth grade. Okay. It was the only year that I wasn't in public school. But when I was homeschooled, there was this guy named Chris at this homeschool co-op which I guess for those like not familiar with homeschool co-op, it's like a, a day school that you go to like yeah. if you're homeschooled to like meet up with other kids. But there was this kid uh, named Chris Upton. <laughs> I still remember his name because it was like this, but he was this punk kid and he, he wore like, you know, red plaid pants and like studded jacket and stuff. And so he was cool. He was, yeah, he was like <laughs> the cool kid. And I was like already kind of like into skateboarding, like, I remember I had, you know, like whatever the trans world and stuff like that. I was already kind of into skateboarding, but I wasn't really hip to like punk music or anything. And he, I was like, oh, my gosh, this kid is so cool. And he was like probably, I don't know, probably three or four years older than me. And he was like the, the punk kid. And I would like try to talk to him. And he had a brother that was my age who was also like in awe of how cool his brother was. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, so anyways, like, but looking back at that time, he, ma- that kid made like a transition within like the six months, like it, within six months from, he was wearing like plaid pants and stuff and had like long hair and like safety pins all over. But I remember the back of his jacket, he had this like system of a down <laughs> okay. the system of a down patch. And like, kind of looking back, I'm like, man, this kid was kind of a poser, uh, which is funny, but He's, he's the one that kind of started the ball rolling, but he then kind of transitioned and started getting hip to more actual punk and like the casualties and Anna flag and stuff like that. Sure. I mean, we're um, all, and then we're that's, all posers yeah. though, really, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, my mom and dad were like, Oh my gosh, our kids into punk rock. This is the end, end of our world, you know? 
so they like I, th- I think the I think my mom and dad looked up like punk Christian punk bands. Okay. Because they were like, there's gotta be something prescriptive that we can give, you know, that's Christian to combat this. And um yeah, like so they gave me life in general, and that was really what started me on the path, like truly. Okay. I was listening to Life Life in General by MXBX because I was like, this is Christian and this is cool, and it kind of was like, but like if you know life in general, it's a fast record. Oh yeah. And so it really helped me develop my love for fast music. Sure. And we, you and know, I think one of the best yeah. things about that record too, is it's like, yeah, it's Christian punk, but like, it's not really, I mean, you know what I mean? Like it's not like overly, right, yeah. uh, overly religious. Like you could show it to your friends and they'd be like, Oh, this is really cool. Yeah. They were definitely like, not, they weren't just like, it was far cry from the music that I was listening to before, as far as like messaging goes. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but obviously that's not the, uh, that's not the end of the journey. You know, where, where'd you go? Where'd you go next? You know, from life in general to, uh, you know, probably wasn't from like life in general to like, uh, you know, sick of it all. No, uh, kind of a gradual transition from like sixth grade up until like ninth grade, um, from like sixth, seventh and like sixth, seventh and eighth grade, I was obsessed with punk and like, I didn't, I had no context of what hardcore was. Um, but I was like, I was super like my favorite band was the casualties. Like, okay. Yeah. I had like the underground army, uh, record and, uh, yeah, that was like the casualties were like the band. And then like dropkick Murphy's were a bit, were big for me. Um, like the earliest, uh, like the first dropkick Murphy's record and like the gangs all here, those were like huge records for me. So went down a street punk path and then probably around, uh, I got, I started getting into, uh, like BMX riding okay. and, uh, there's a professional BMX rider named, uh, Seth Kimbrough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who was in a Christian hardcore metalcore band Mortal Treason. Mortal Treason. Yep. Yes. And Mortal Treason was on like a couple of, uh, like music, like, uh, road fools, uh, videos, which I don't know if anybody remembers those, but they're like basically like BMX videos. Yeah. Yeah. And they had like music videos of them. And I was like, I became obsessed with, that because like i was like this is crazier this is like this is more wild than the casualties or gbh or discharge you know like i'm like this is crazy so i was kind of starting to get into it and i went to go see them they played in nashville um and i can't for the life of me remember who they played with but they they must have played with a death wish band okay um, like jake jake bannon's record label death wish mm-hmm. they must have played with a death wish uh band because i got and then uh, and then on so the a i guess you called a side was embraced today it had two songs okay and then yeah. the other one had uh modern life is war and the song was dead ramones oh wow. and i was like i was like holy crap who is this band singing because i loved the ramones so much but i'm like who is this band that's like going so hard? Like, you know what I mean? Like this, like modern life is war was like crazier probably than and faster and just more like punk attitude than I had heard anything before that. Like it kind of outclassed anything I had listened to. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of that feeling of like leveling up, uh, you know, in music. Yeah. They, they definitely, definitely leveled me up and I'm like, and it was so relatable to me because I'm like, they're talking about the Ramones, which is like, they're dead Ramones, which is like a band that I, I love the Ramones. So it was just like this cool thing. And then two weeks later I went to cornerstone fest. Oh man. Um, yeah. Two (laughs) weeks later I went to cornerstone and I went to cornerstone with my best friend, the kid that I discovered the Ramones with from watching the movie, his older sister, and then two kids that were already hip and hipped to hardcore and like really into hardcore. So I went to, I went to cornerstone, a young punk, plaid pants, leather jacket, patches, and came home with like a seven star t-shirt and no innocent <laughs> victim shirt. Oh man. And I like cut my jeans into jorts and <laughs> war vans. <laughs> and I was a hardcore kid when I came back from Cornerstone. So pretty much within literally within like a span of like three weeks, I went from this like crazy punk kid to like, I discovered hardcore at Cornerstone. Right. And I was just like, I'm in. I'm in. I don't care. Like this is sick. Punk does nothing for me anymore. <laughs> I just want to hear. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just want to hear hardcore. So, yeah, I mean, it's the next evolution of punk. It makes it makes way too right. much sense. You know, when you when you look at the timeline and uh, Cornerstone, especially, is one of those places that it's it was such an experience where 
you know, you, you, you were literally just, you had bands playing all around you all day. Um, bands yeah. that, you, that sounded just as good as the stuff that you'd probably listen to, um, elsewhere. And, you know, like I, I can't, I can remember how many times bands would come up at Cornerstone and give flyers like, Hey, where are you guys playing? Oh, we're playing over there, but there's nothing there. Yeah. We're going to hook a generator up. We'll be there. Or, you know, we'll be there yeah. at three o'clock or whatever, which might be the most hardcore thing ever. Yeah. A lot of cool generator shows. I wish I could remember. Oh man. I have so many th- thoughts in my head of like bands that I might've seen at a, on a generator, but I'm not sure if it was them. I saw um, Flatfoot 56 on a generator. Um, kind of before, oh, cool. kind of before they took off. That was one of the first generator shows. I mean, it was like the craziest thing. Cause I came into cornerstone for the first time already kind of into more like metal core type stuff or whatever. Obviously I was yeah. not disappointed, uh, <laughs> you know, when, when I got there. Um, but yeah, that's, that's interesting too. Like, so you kind of discovered hardcore through, not discovered hardcore, but uh, just really got into hardcore through Cornerstone. I think that's I think that's really cool. Yeah, and like Dropkick fan, and uh, they're like obviously like the Christian version of Dropkick, right? Only like just as cool, like especially like the Knuckles Up record. I think that yeah. was like the one, and that was the time frame that I was at Cornerstone. But they had this other band called Lust Control. Yeah, Lust no, Control. No, mm. no, no, not Lust Control. It was a band like Lust Control called sexually frustrated. <laughs> I don't think I heard them. That's interesting. Okay. okay. I'll send you, I'll send you a link afterwards, but it was Absolutely. like a joke, like sexual purity band. Okay. Um, and, uh, they play, they covered minor threat. And I think they covered seeing red and I had just heard about minor threat and I'm like, Oh my gosh, they're covering minor threat, a hardcore band. Like these punk guides are covering a hardcore band. And these are just the yeah. stupid things that you think when you're, you know, 14 or whatever, 15 years old. It's like, oh my gosh, there, there's like mutual respect between hardcore and punk, which in your mind is like so crazy different, but really like hardcore is punk. It's just different. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like it wasn't until it wasn't until, and that's, what's funny too, is kind of making that distinction because hardcore was never something that I thought of as like heavy music. Um, right. But a lot of people generally, cause like once, once I got midway through high school, if you told somebody you listen to hardcore, they would say like, oh, like Norma Jean, right? And it's like, well, no, uh, not not really like that. You know, <laughs> like not exact, not exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like and they're like, what are you talking yeah. about? And you're like, oh, well, you know, hardcore bands, they play like, you know, really fast and you have got like a guy yelling the whole time or whatever. And they're like, they're like, yeah, that's like Norma Jean. I was like, it's not the same thing. I can't I can't write down words to really explain. You just have to show somebody a hardcore band and then show somebody like a metalcore band and all that. And you could sit there. You yeah. kind of start feeling like um, Bubba from uh, Forrest Gump, like. You got this kind of shrimp. You got this kind of shrimp. You got this kind of shrimp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the greatest. Yeah. That's like the greatest uh, example of that. It's like, yeah. yeah you've, you got oh, metal man. tinged hardcore. You got metallic hardcore. You've got hard. You've got traditional hardcore. You know, you've got posse hardcore. You know, there's just all this, all this different stuff. But uh, when did you, uh, so whenever you were kind of getting into getting into this kind of music, like at what point were you like, okay, I have to do it myself. Like I have to, I have to get into a band or, or, you know, be part of a band in some way. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I mentioned that I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, so it's pretty much like whenever you become old enough to like have motor skills, someone gives you a guitar. So, um, so I started playing guitar I think in like the third grade, maybe Okay. second or like it was early. It was like, I was like maybe seven, seven or eight, maybe when I started playing guitar. And then I like got into punk and I was like, I got to have an electric guitar. Right. Right. So then I got an electric guitar and I was just messing around with it. And then this girl who went to my church was like, you got to learn, if you want to play punk, you got to learn like power chords and bar chords. Right. So she's like, here, the, the best song you can listen to is Nirvana smells like teen spirit. And she like gave me a copy of nevermind or whatever. And it had, she's like this song number, whatever, listen to it and learn to play along with it using this chord type. So then I learned how to play bar chords. And it's like, to this day, like there's literally a, a guy that I know that was like wanting to play guitar. And I'm like, listen to Nirvana smell like teen spirit, learn to play it. And then you'll be able to play 
anything. Yeah. Anything you want. Yeah. Punk rock. <laughs> like that's, it's easy. So, um, I don't think I actually like, it's, it's weird because I didn't really have, um, a lot of mutual friends that were into the music that I was into because honestly, like there, there were a lot, there was like a big divide in my area of like, we had kids like me that were into punk and then later into hardcore. And then you had kids that were into Pantera. Right. Right. <laughs> it was like, it was like either you were a punk kid or you were like into Pantera. That right. was literally, it felt like at the time that was the only choice was to be a Pantera fan or other. <laughs> right. So right. I was like, and I was like, I just grew this like deep hatred for Pantera <laughs> at like such a young age, which is I feel so you. crazy I to feel like look back on. I'm like, I mean, I can get down with a few Pantera tracks, but I'm like, still to this day, I'm like a little bit in my heart. I'm like, I can no, it was a traumatic experience for me being around so many Pantera kids, but I agree. I, the exact yeah. same story from school, like for me, like it's all, it was Pantera, this Pantera, that it didn't matter what band I listened to. Some idiot from the corner would be all like, that's pretty cool, but it's not as cool as domination by Pantera. And I'm like, Oh my God, like, <laughs> come on, man. Do you guys listen to any other bands? They're like, yeah, we listen to, we, we listen to both bands. We listen to Metallica and Pantera. It's like, okay okay cool (laughs) yeah oh my gosh please don't beat me up you know yeah i know it's like yeah so um but i didn't actually start my first band until i was like a senior in high school which sounds weird and it was a really bad band um it was really bad but it it was like it was metalcore i guess yeah because like i was i was really into hardcore like I was really, I was listening to like Agnostic Front, Sick of It All. Um, those are like the band in Madball. Those are like the bands that once I found out what hardcore was from like a, the, I guess, secular side. Yeah. Like those are the bands that made me fall in love was like, yeah, Madball, Sick, Sick of It All, Agnostic Front and like uh, First Blood and Terror. Those were like the bands that really yeah. got me like cemented into hardcore. Um and then like I started checking out different, you know, different bands and I started going into like melodic hardcore was huge in the mid two thousands. So yeah, it was bands like have heart and sinking ships and bands of that ilk were like really popular. So then I kind of started getting into that, but like all of my friends were like, we like the double wears Prada. Well, of course. <laughs> we like, yeah. Uh, we like for today and like all these bands, like all the Christian bands, which I mean, I, I like a lot of that stuff. I liked a lot of that stuff at the time, but it was not really something that was like, really, I gravitated towards, you know, heavily. Sure. Like there was a time for sure that I, I did, but I was always like, Hey, you guys should listen to like 1033. If you won't listen to secular hardcore, like listen to 1033, listen to this. Listen to like, um, yeah, Detter. just you remember Detter or Detour? Oh, yeah, yeah, Detter from, uh, yeah, Bloodning, Blood, yeah, yeah, they had that album called Blood Seeds. Oh, yeah. god, that that thing was, yeah, that was that was cool. I actually checked that out later because I didn't have access to that record actually, but, um, yeah, no, that that band was really cool. Them, uh, and then, uh, what, what is that other band? Hit the Deck, Hit that the band Deck, was oh, like, yeah, Hit the Deck, Hit the Deck was like hit the deck in 1033 were like the bands for me. Cause I'm like, okay, they sound like count me out in gorilla biscuits and like, and I'm here for it. Yeah. So, but yeah, that was my experience was playing in a metalcore band and nice. writing a lot of metalcore riffs that were like the devil wears Prada and for today, only really bad, <laughs> really, <laughs> really bad. Um, but we played, you know, we played some shows, did some stuff. We played a birthday party that we had to pay to get into. <laughs> um, that's that's and we really we used to pay to, pay to, to a get birthday into party. The, yeah, this kid that went to a different school asked us to play his birthday party, and so we did. And we showed up, and his mom was like, "Yeah, that'll be five bucks to get in, <laughs> to get in the door." And we're like, "Listen, we're not paying. <laughs> yeah. Your son asked us to be here, and if you don't want us to be here, then we will leave." We're but, the paid entertainment lady. Yeah, it was one of those weird parties where like the mom was like being cool and like letting kids smoke weed and like drink. That's why she was charging admission. She didn't want anybody to just wander in that she couldn't vet first. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, it was just, it was a situation. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Yeah, that was my, that was really my first band. 
Well, I mean, after being in a metalcore band, what, what would make you even want to ever play music again? Um, <laughs> I went yeah. through that. Um, you know what? Uh, I, I guess, you know, to for Elephant in the Room, I guess, um, you know, how do you end up in, in St. Louis playing with uh, Placeholder? Yeah, so, um, so I went to school in California and met my wife there. We got married and moved back to Nashville. Okay. And then I started working for uh, the evil corporation, CarMax, um, the auto superstore. And I was a buyer for them. And uh, they asked me to move to St. Louis and open a location, two locations. And I was like, yeah, sure. I don't have anything else to do. And it's a promotion. So, yeah. Sure. Let's go. So I moved moved out to St. Louis and uh, probably from like 2011, pretty much from the time I got married until... Like 2015, I just, I was still, I'm, I've always been into hardcore and punk music, but I wasn't checking out new bands between that time frame. Gotcha. Um, Cause I had just moved to St. Louis. I was also fairly newly married. So I wasn't really interested in checking out like new bands. And I was just kind of not over the hardcore thing, but I just wasn't, my interest wasn't really peaked. Sure. I kind of really lost interest after like half heart have heart quit. And then it felt like kind of that whole like scene was really dying down the like bridge nine, the bridge nine scene was kind of like really dying down a little bit. And uh, little did I know that defeater was abandoned. That that whole scene was going to be huge. It was about to just yeah, (laughs) go like wildfire. Yeah. Yeah. Or probably was like currently very big, but uh, anyway, so I kind of like in place of, actively going to shows and checking out music, I started buying records. Okay. So probably about 2010, I started buying records. Um, and that's important because when I moved to St. Louis, I was like really into, I've been into records and I'm still into buying records and record shopping. But I met this guy named uh, Finney on social media, on Instagram. And we just bonded over our mutual love for hardcore and punk records. So um, we had, we would always talk and like, we kept talking, like kind of like what you and I are like, Oh, we're going to meet up. We're going to hang out or whatever. Yeah. And we never really did. And, um, I posted one day, I was just playing guitar and I was just like, whatever, I'll post this on Instagram. Cause it's a cool riff or whatever. Right. And he hit me up and was like, Hey, do you want to come jam with my band? Um, and I was like, yeah, sure. So I took the opportunity to go, um, meet up with him and, join his band, I guess, or try out for it. Right. And, uh, that night they asked me to be a part of their band and I was playing guitar in a band that was actually playing the songs from our new EP. Oh, wow. We were, we were, that's how I knew about those songs, um, and suggested placeholder work on them, um, was because this previous band was doing that, but that kind of crumbled. And then about a year later, the same guy, Finney reached out to me and said, Hey, we want to start this band uh, called tensions rising. Okay. And uh, it basically, it just sounds like Haybreed. like satisfaction is the death of desire era. Haybreed. There's nothing wrong with that. It's literally, it's Ramones hardcore. It's like open first, third, fourth. It's like three chord, <laughs> three chord hardcore, but it's just, and it's so it's angry. Just, yeah. Yeah. It's just dumb and kind of ignorant. And so I was like, yes, I want to do this. I'm in. So I joined that band and um, we played some shows. And then I had another band um, going on kind of simultaneously with some people that I met through social media um, called Give Up. And I was writing I was writing songs um, for that for that band. And we were practicing quite a bit. And then things kind of the wheels kind of fell off of that one. Mm -hmm. And I was like pretty i felt pretty invested in that band and i was like ah, i really i really want them to go because like the songs that i was writing were very like i don't know if you've listened to like carry on yeah or like uh comeback like early comeback kid kind of stuff like very fast melodic kind of hardcore and i was like man i really wish that this band was um was still going on but anyways i Tensions Rising was just kind of like kind of a joke project. So after this other band kind of ended, I had free time and I just was like started to get to know the drummer for Tensions Rising, Travis, who's currently the drummer for Placeholder and the main songwriter. 
And I was like, dude, I, I kind of want to do a band. Like, would you want to do something? And he was like, yeah. So he like, I don't know. He had this demo that he had sent me a long time ago. that sounded kind of like kid dynamite from okay. lifetime. And I just hit him up via email and I was like, let's start a band that sounds like kid dynamite had a baby with newfound glory. <laughs> and that was literally the title of my email. Um, and then he's like, all right, that's fine. Let's do it. So we got together some members and that's how placeholder for formed in the fall of 2018. Okay. Okay. So yeah, yeah. that's what you're getting at. Cause with, with these, yeah, these songs are actually super, super old. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I was like, I don't really, I don't remember. Cause it was one of those things where placeholder had been around that long. I would have like known about sure. the band like sooner than I did. Yeah. Yeah, Travis is just really talented at writing music. And so he has a bunch of stuff that he's just written. And Placeholder was, we just were like, hey, what can we do next? And I remembered that we had worked on these songs previously. So we were like, all right, let's work it. And he writes everything. Um, and then the band, we just kind of take them. And, you know, obviously I write lyrics and then stuff changes when we go into the studio a little bit too. So, sure. Oh, that's super cool. I, and you know, we ain't listening to the EP. I got to listen to it. Uh, thank you for that. Getting to listen to it a little bit early. Um, yes, thank you. You know, and, uh, and I really enjoyed it whenever I, whenever I first started listening to it, I was like, I wasn't a hundred percent sure. Um, I'd heard kind of the songs that you'd had on Bandcamp, And so, so I kind of knew what I was getting into, but like, I don't know when it, I, I, it caught me just at the right time, the right place where, um, I think we had just gone this huge death metal stint on a uh, discography discussion. It was all like death and thrash metal bands and stuff. And, um, oh, yeah. and, and I've always loved hardcore and, and I've always loved kind of that, you know, that, that whole scene. And so when I listened to it, I remember, I remember messaging David and I was like, dude, this, you know, this placeholder EP is awesome. Cause like it's, uh, it, it's kind of, it reminds me of a time, not that it sounds dated, but like it, it, I was like, these are the kind of bands I wanted to hear whenever I first started listening to hardcore, you know, it was like this, oh, this, this super passionate kind of, kind of in your face. Um, but like passion, but not toughness, you know, like we were kind of poking fun of hate breed here there a minute ago, but like, um, you know, a lot of hardcore yeah, yeah. bands that come out, especially, you know, when they're on their first couple of releases or uh, you tend to overcompensate, I think a little bit because maybe they feel like they've got something approved like metal bands or, <laughs> or, or whatever it is. Um, but like with, with the placeholder stuff, I like it just because it comes, it seems to come from a very, uh, a very, honest place and, and a very passionate place. And so it's like that, that's the reason I'm into hardcore is because of passion and because like people, right. people that actually care about what they're singing about, or they just care about that kind of music enough to just give it their all when they play. Um, and so, I mean, this isn't, this isn't some kind of like paid advertisement or endorsement. Um, anybody that listens to my, <laughs> anybody that listens to my no show knows that if I think something's garbage, I'll say it, you know? Um, but no, this was, this was definitely a diamond in the rough and I'm, I'm excited. Um, I'm excited just to get to talk and talk about it, you know? So like with this, with this al album, it is basically an album. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's got enough tracks. Um, but, uh. <laughs> For me, enough tracks is like five to six songs. Uh, <laughs> it has exactly five. Yeah. So. Um, but what what are some of your favorite songs on on this record, and why? Um. So I really, yeah, I really like uh, my favorite song to play live is uh, the song "Virtue Signal the End." Uh, it's the second to last song on the record, and it starts side B of the seven inch. And it, if you remember, it's the one that starts off with like this crazy, like propaganda esque solo. Mm -hmm. It's like, the, it starts off with a solo, which I just love. Like, and it's just this fast, like, it's just really fast and angry. Yeah. <laughs> and I really like, that's my favorite, like to play live. That's my favorite one uh, for sure. And then I would say probably the, the one that sticks out the most as far as just ones that I like, um, the second song on their ninth of May. That one's probably the most personal as far as from like a lyric standpoint. Yeah. And uh, that song really kind of like is very, it's very special to me. So that one, that one's definitely like my pick from the record. That's uh definitely, definitely a good pick. I actually, um, 
Yeah, man. Uh, like, hey, real quick, uh, just you know, just because of the whole live thing. How do you know? How do you know Drew Maxey? Oh, uh, Drew was in Give Up with Me. I didn't know that. Drew, uh, I went to high school with Drew. <laughs> oh, you did go yeah. to high school with Drew. I did. Is Drew in the Is Drew in the chat? Once again, uh, he's not in the he's not in the oh, okay. in the YouTube. It's that whole like disappearing Facebook comment thing. Ah, okay. Yeah, Facebook. Yeah, hates Drew. Me. Drew uh, is a. It was the person I met through social media, and we started give up together. Gotcha. And then he went on to do time and pressure. Okay. And then a uh, weird story about Drew is his previous band, Perfect People, which I believe. Joe recorded yeah. vocals. Yep. For uh, yep. People. He did. Um, but there are two members of placeholder that were in perfect people. Okay. Drew, so, okay. Yeah. Small world, yeah. Right? small town, I guess really. Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yes. Drew. I love you. He was just, well, <laughs> if you're watching, well, he just said boo <laughs> on it. So, you know, Gus, where do you uh, whatever. Devil, yeah, I know. Actually, our old band, um, me and Joe used to be in a band called jelly donut. And, uh, we played a bunch of, um, uh, Drew was in a band. Uh, I think they were called the deficit. They were like a okay. punk rock band. Um, and, uh, yeah, we played, uh, I it was right. Whenever jelly donut went from being a new metal band to being a, like a wannabe metalcore band. And, um, so, uh, you know, but the deficit came on and they, they played, they, they had so much energy. They were great. They, they were, they were so much fun because it was like them. So it was like a punk band, you know, like a real punk band, and mm-hmm. then there was us who was like this new metal, like screamy thing. And then there, we had like a pop punk band, like close out the set. It was just such a different nice. time. Oh yeah. I miss, I miss those days. I might actually have a recording of that. Now that I think about it, if I find it, I will, I, if I find it, I will show it to you. It is. I just got to say, I'm impressed that you're, you were a new metal band that went metalcore as a poor, as opposed to a metalcore band that went new metal. Well, that was a but different like, you time. You deserve serious applause for that. Well, you know, we were also called Jelly Donut. I mean, come on. Yeah, um, I mean, that's a sick name. It, play, we hate the name Placeholder. So if we would have thought that Jelly Donut was uh, like an available name, we probably would have rather had that than Placeholder. So Eight bucks. I'll sell you the name Jelly Donut. Um, or you can just buy me a beer or something. But like right. the... We'll uh, the thing is that we didn't have you can't copyright Jelly Donut, but anyway, the, uh, <laughs> the the thing actually it's funny because the the pop punk band that oh, that that closed the show they were like the big band in our high school they were called Donut Factory, <laughs> so we had like a bunch of donut bands. Uh, you guys had a very donut centric, very high donut school. high school, yeah, yeah. But um, no, the only reason we went from new metal to metalcore was just changing of the times when we started playing. Uh, when we started playing music, the popular bands on the radio were like Lincoln Park and Stained and and Corn and Limp Biscuit. And then uh, I kind of went through this like transitionary phase where I started listening to like I started listening to stuff like Zayo and Living Sacrifice and like that really 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 heavy stuff. So I just decided I didn't care what Joe was playing on guitar. I was just going to scream the entire time. And uh, so yeah. we kind of we kind of transitioned a little bit into that. So of course the next band we did after that into Destiny was. Uh, just metalcore, you know. <laughs> I can confirm that Into Destiny was tight. Oh, really? You sent me those demos; they're pretty cool. <laughs> oh, did I? You can listen. We actually yeah. just, we actually just. And this is the. Uh, no, you know what? I'll, I'll say it later because we're here to we're here to talk about your record, not my old all shitty right, right, record right. from two thousand six. Um, all right, all right. That we just that we just released on Spotify for some reason. <laughs> it's but on Spotify. That's twenty listeners, man. Like twenty whole listeners. I'm. Oh my gosh! You guys are literally catching up with placeholder. No, we're not. As far as the monthly lish- listeners go, no, not after this interview, buddy. Not after this interview. Well, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, you should. It's 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 a baseless claim, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So the, yeah, lost my train of thought. So this this is being put out. You guys are you guys are putting it out with help from the record label, which is that's Don from yeah. the record space, right? Yes, Don, Donald. Yes, the, the man, the myth, the legend. The man, Don's the man. Everybody should go to his record store if they're in St. Louis. I heard he was a real bastard. Yes, like a whole squad of bastards that run around with him. Um, he, yeah, yeah. I heard the same thing. Yeah, it's a crazy. He's a self-proclaimed. Yeah, yeah. He. We've had him on the show like twice. He's 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 the best yeah. man. He he knows everything. Unfortunately, him and I always just end up talking about movies. Yeah, uh, instead of oh, music, yeah, yeah. like well, yeah, he's like really big into horror. Yeah, 
and like kaiju movies and stuff. And he really loves Repo Man. I think Repo Man might be his favorite movie. Um, yeah. But uh, so how did you how did you end up meeting up uh, meeting up with Don and getting into the record space and stuff? That's kind of kind of the cool place to be nowadays. Feels like. Yeah, record space is awesome. It's got they. I mean, first of all, Don is really awesome, and he cares a lot about like the local music scene not even necessarily hardcore but like he supports a lot of local artists in st louis which is great and that's actually the way that i met don was he we actually played i think we had known about bastard squad but bastard squad wasn't really like maybe they were on their second or third show from like their return or whatever yeah but uh don was running the uh uh what is it the punk rock flea market. I don't know if you've heard of that or not. Yeah. Um, the silver ballroom down in the city, um, does the, the punk rock flea market. And somehow he thought to ask placeholder to play the after show. Um, okay. So we actually played an after show at this bar, uh, the haunt. And, uh, we played with bastard squad. They played. Um, and then we, I think we opened, maybe open that show. I mean, we're local openers. So yeah. I think we opened that show, but that was like the first time that we met Don and then Don started putting us on other stuff that he had going on. So mm-hmm. we played like his Halloween show. Yeah. And since then we've just kind of become, become friends with, uh, friends with bastard squad and like Kevin plays in a, another band called better days. Um, yeah. And so we, we know, we know like Kevin and, uh, Don. So that's kind of, they've just been allies, I guess for placeholder um bastard squad and then the record space i guess i started going there and buying records because i'm i really like records so just yeah. started going in there and being a, a customer and just talking with don and just kind of built a relationship that way so no, that's super cool and it's funny because you were talking earlier whenever you said you moved to st louis and you got really into records i was kind of thinking like well, where are you buy, where would you even buy records in st louis we've only got like what five maybe five record stores Total. Yeah, we don't a, have a lot. Yeah. There's there's more than five, but um, there's maybe five ones that are worth checking out. I mean, I don't know. Maybe the other ones are worth checking out. I've just never been there. So. Well, there's a place. Uh, I mean, Record Space is hands down the best place to go if you're into if you're into like this kind of music, you know. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, there was a place called. Uh, oh God, I can't remember what it was called. Now it was like the Record something record outlet or something like that. I don't remember what the they record were exchange. The re- was it the record exchange? Uh, it might've been, I don't know there. Well, there, uh, this, this is going to, this going to bother me now. Uh, Cause I'm going to remember it as soon as we're done, but like, um, no, but it's this big place in the city. And I don't remember exactly what street it's on. I've only been there a few times, but it was just like records, like floor to ceiling. Um, oh, yeah, that's the record exchange record exchange. Yeah. And like, I found a couple of gems in there, but I remember like, never being like, I was always afraid I was going to get like lost in there and like be found days later under a pile of records or something. It was like, um, like a, they, they should have called it like the record hoarder, you know? Yeah. Uh, that place is, that place is crazy. I've been there a few times. And I never really find anything. I did find a judge Judd seven inch there one time. Oh, wow. The no tolerance for instruments. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Judge Judd or not. Uh, no. It is a it was released on Victory Records and it's literally uh people mouthing a hardcore record. There's no instruments, it's just like people going jan jan. I'll send you a link. That it's sounds bad. like something I'd be into. <laughs> like not yeah. like seriously, but like it'd be fun. Um Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I so, think we yeah, had what Street Side Records was one I don't of think the I ever went I don't think I ever went there, but yeah, my my local spots usually are like uh, obviously record space, and I go to Planet Score. Yeah, music record shop, and then Vintage Vinyl has a surprising forgot uh, about Vintage Vinyl selection. Every once in a while, you'll go in there and get a get lucky. Yeah, yeah, their pricing is what kills me a lot of the times. Is you you're you're paying a premium for shopping at Vintage Vinyl, but um, they can have some good stuff. <clears throat> Yeah, I found uh, their dollar. They have like a dollar bin of seven inches. That's like, that's my go-to there. Yeah. I found like a no parade seven inch for like a dollar there last time I was there, which I'm like, oh yeah. So you can't beat that. There's still good deals out there. But so, so I, we already talked about this, but uh, when's the record coming out? Uh, this Friday comes out on uh, 
July 2nd, this Friday. Sweet. Um, yeah, digital. It goes live on digital and then um, like Bandcamp, Spotify, all of that. Um, it'll be all the songs, all five songs will be live there. And then uh, the seven inch will be available for purchase as well. Sweet. Um, make sure to save me a seven inch so that I can um, I can tell David I'm going to send it to him and then not send it to him. <laughs> that's just i need it and i'll take pictures yeah. of it i'll take pictures of it and everything and be like yeah bro i got it right here yeah man it's like right and it'll be like a picture of me putting it in an envelope you know like a like a you know something and he'll be all like what what you said you're gonna send this six months ago i'd be like i know right here it is yeah. still sitting on my yeah but uh, uh david david wouldn't like that too much because i he sent me a bloody sunday shirt Oh from yeah. the face down fest. And uh, I was supposed to send him a placeholder shirt at the beginning of the pandemic. And I th- think I sent it to him on like October. <laughs> I, I, so <laughs> sorry, David, <laughs> I was really nice to him. Uh, I think it was, it was sometime last year in 2020. Um, he had, um, he had expressed that one of his like whale, like one of the, one of the, one of the, uh, the records he whales. wanted the most was, uh, they attack at dawn, uh, by bloody Sunday. Hmm. And uh, I just happened to be perusing some like Christian rock and metal site and a guy had it for like 10 bucks. And nice. uh, and I really wanted to order it for myself. But like David had just gotten done telling me, like, this is one of my whales. Like, I want this. I want this thing so bad, you know, and uh, I was like, oh, do I do I do I buy it and just never say anything about it? <laughs> you know, or uh, send him pictures of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just it. If I if I would have gotten that, I mean, it would have been like pictures all over Facebook, all over me, you know, and he would have known from talking to me before that I didn't have that record since the last time that we talked about it. Right. Um, so, yeah, I sent him over the link and uh, a couple of weeks later he was uh, he was a very happy man. So, yeah, I think I bought my copy on discogs it was cheap too it was like eight bucks but yeah they're no, they're nowhere to be found anymore yeah they're not that, valuable that but like they're the, hard to find yeah yeah and that's the worst record layout ever like oh, the yeah. packaging is horrible it's like a it has new art from dave quiggle which is sick yeah but like the it's not even a like a cardboard jacket it's like a a sleeve with like a bent over it looks like a seven inch sleeve oh it's not even a full it's not even a full fold it's like a half fold gross it's, it's bad yeah, but I'm like, man, whoever licensed it from Facetown did a bad job with that re-release. Well, Facetown's I'm been calling them out. Facetown's been re-releasing stuff. Yeah, uh, so we might get something. I- I'm happy with my CD copy. If you want to talk about yeah. how big of a poser I am, uh, I bought "They Attack at Dawn" by uh, Bloody Sunday at Hot Topic for six ninety nine. Hey, no shame in that. No, I mean I'm not really ashamed. I just want everybody to know that like. You know, Hot Topic used to sell cool music. There was a while where, yeah, I could only buy Strike First and Face Down stuff from Hot Topic. Yeah. Yeah, I think I bought like uh, the Serpent Servant at Hot Topic the day that it came out. Or oh, something yeah. Like that. Yeah. I want to think like I, the only only place I could find it for sure was going to have it. So, yeah, I think I got it from from Hot Topic. I got Nail Dead Risen from Best Buy for like seven ninety nine. It was a steal. Yeah. Then I let some dude borrow it and he never gave it back to me. So I need, probably need to buy another one <laughs> at some point, but, yeah. um, but no, this is exciting. So, uh, and you said something about you guys are going to be playing a, uh, you guys are going to be playing a release show, uh, coming up. Yeah, we have a, we have a, we do have a release show, a uh, place booked. Uh, we're working on getting, it's going to be in September. Okay. But, uh, we're working on getting other bands, other local bands. We're going to try to keep it to a local show. Sure. Um, Cause St. Louis, we want to be able to have like a good St. Louis local hardcore show. For sure. Um, I think there's a, there's one that was not actually a different band that I play in is playing one in August, but um, by September, I don't know if there'll be other, maybe there will be other shows, but hopefully our record release show will be one of the, one of the first opportunities to go out and see some of the favorite local bands out there. So yeah, hundred percent. Well, that's exciting. I'm going to try to get out there. Um, I know I told when I had, oh, yeah. Don, when I had Don on the show, I told him I was totally going to come to his, uh, record release party. And then we didn't go. Um, that was, that was one of those, my bad sort of situations where I told him I, I had basically, <laughs> I made, that was one of those days, you know, how every now and again, you have a day on the calendar and you realize you've said yes to everyone. Oh yeah. And then you're like, Oh crap. Uh, 
<laughs> I don't know how we're going to do this. I had like two podcast interviews and then a regular episode of the podcast, like the, the music review portion of it. And, um, and I had to like go a bunch of places. I told my wife I was going to do a whole bunch of stuff or whatever. And then I was, as I got, when I got off the phone, I was like, I just told Don Bastard that I'm going to show up at his show and I'm not. <laughs> like, I know I'm not. Uh, and I felt terrible. But uh, so if he's yeah. if he if he if he watches this or listens to this, I'm I'm sorry, Don. I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean it. Um, I was at that show. If it makes it more awkward for you, yeah. Well, you know, uh, Joe was supposed to go too. So you know, the 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 blame doesn't just ju- doesn't just uh, lie on me. You know, <laughs> fair enough. But. Uh, Nathan, thank you so much, man. This is this is a fun chat, yeah. and uh, you know I, I can't wait yeah, uh, for us to get together and just hang. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a podcast thing; just hang out, have a couple beers, talk some music. Yeah, let's do it. We'll get Adam involved. Absolutely, one hundred percent. He could drive us all over town. That's you know that's what I've decided that needs yeah. to happen. <laughs> so um, fair enough. Yeah, he's only like twenty minutes from me, so we can. Yeah, yeah, I'm the one that'll come out. I think I'm probably like thirty minutes away from you guys, so. Um, I got to come out of my like hick town, you know, <laughs> and uh, yeah, fair enough. So, all right, man. Well, everybody look forward to or everybody should be looking forward to Friday. Um, make sure you're uh, going on Spotify and and pre saving uh, this EP coming out, because trust me, you will not yeah. regret it. And um, thank you. We'll uh, we'll get you on. Uh, we'll get you on again soon. Nathan, have a good night, man. Yeah, man. You too. Thanks. Good talking to you. You too. This has been the Discuss Metal Podcast with Nathan Lehman of Placeholder. Check out Placeholder on Bandcamp and all your streaming services. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. 